where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. I said as we gathered this morning something that we say uh, every Sunday about being an open and affirming, expansive community, a community that is seeking to build the kingdom that has been envisioned by Jesus and stretched out through all of these centuries to us, and before Jesus, envisioned by the Hebrew prophets. We say it at the beginning of our service each Sunday, and we say it several times throughout most services, and we try to live it. And so there's this little bit of a disjointed feeling this morning, um, as I'm saying that we are going to turn our attention to the other direction, to this prophetic trait of intolerance. And it's disjointed because we do think of tolerance as a virtue. We have a thousand bits of wisdom passed down through the centuries about tolerance, and we say things like tolerance is the only real test of a civilization, or the highest result of education is tolerance. Or one that I especially like, tolerance and compassion are qualities of fearless people. You have probably heard some of those and others, and they are these guideposts for us in life when they are used in the service of creating understanding and openness. But the prophets come to us with their words and they challenge us a little bit in this because they do not come across as the most tolerant people. We're going to start this morning by hearing uh, the prophet Amos address a group as he calls them to take care of the poor. And this is characteristic of the language that the prophets use. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on Mount Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to their husbands, bring me something to drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, the time is coming to you when they shall take you away with hooks, even the last of you with fish hooks. Through breaches in the wall you will leave, each one of you straight ahead, and then you will be flung out. This says the Lord. Amos doesn't even stop there. It is an entire chapter of judgment, and he is not just angry at the women of Mount Samaria. He is angry at the entire society in which this happens. No one gets off from his judgment. The other prophets are not well known for their comfortable, quiet language either. Hosea is called a prophet of doom because of the judgment that he pronounces on people who have turned away from God. Jonah 
you know from the whale, walks the city of Nineveh end to end. It takes him three days, and the whole time he is shouting about destruction. Isaiah goes naked and barefoot for three years. Ezekiel cooks food over cow dung for a year to show people how disgusted God is by their degradation, he says. And if you've ever had wood-smoked meat, you can imagine the flavor that comes from that cooking technique. The prophets are not the easiest people to listen to because they refuse to let us stop the work before it's done. They refuse to let us be comfortable with our comforts. On Martin Luther King Jr. Day in January, I read through Dr. King's letter from a Birmingham jail. And I was struck by this paragraph and remembered it again as I was reading the prophets this week where Dr. King answers the clergy, the Christian clergy who have called his methods of action into question. And he writes, you may well ask, why direct action? Why sit-ins and marches and so forth? Isn't negotiation a better path? You are quite right to call for negotiation. This is the very purpose of our action. Nonviolent direct action seeks to create a crisis and to foster such attention that a community which has refused to negotiate has to confront the issue. It seeks to dramatize the issue so that it can no longer be ignored. And he goes on to talk about the purpose of creating this tension in a society through actions that are bold and impossible to overlook. He says that just as Socrates felt that it was necessary to create a tension in the mind so that individuals could rise from the bondage of myths, it's necessary for Christians to create a tension in society. The prophetic call echoes, doesn't it? And this tension that has existed and still exists between well-being for a few people and well-being for all people continues. When we read the prophets and their words that are angry and they are scolding and they are judgmental, they sound harsh to us. But it's because they have been given us this immense role of keeping us on track. They've been given the job of reminding us that being loving is not the same as being nice. Jeremiah warns of this, of our ability to smooth things over when he says, they have dressed the wounds 
of the daughter of my people with very little care, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace at all. The prophets create this tension because they stand in this opposition to the idea that the world has to work the way it is working. And so where we might sometimes get worn down by the work and we might be tempted to see hungry people in the street and say, that's the way it's always been. Or to see another story about pollution in the water and say, well, companies are free to run their businesses. Or hear another story about violence in a public place and say, that is life in America. The prophets do not have the luxury of these illusions. For them, injustice of any kind that is considered normal is judgment itself. And so their intolerance, as we play with this idea of tolerance when it is good and intolerance when it is also good or put into the service of building the communion of God. When we play with this tension, we see that the intolerance that the prophets have isn't for the people. It is for the ways of living that haven't just allowed but have upheld these kinds of evils. What Jesus built his life around, along with Amos and Jonah and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Micah, is the possibility for transformation. These are the people who dare to believe that guns can be turned into garden tools, that churches can be turned into shelters, that homes could be open to refugees, and that the earth itself could be healed as humanity itself is healed. And so while I'm not really advocating this morning that we all run around naked or barefoot or shouting in the streets about the cows of Bashan, I do think that the prophets encourage us to be bold in our work and to be relentless in the pursuit of well-being of all people, of this gathering around the true communion table in true community. And I suspect that they say to us that if we meet opposition along the way, we meet it with grace, but also resolve. And so this morning we continue to ponder and pray over the words of the prophets with a bit of music for our souls. Friends, do not be afraid to leave your mark on the world. Go out to be bold with your generosity and to know that it affects more people than you imagine and that it perhaps even echoes back to you. 
as you do this, as you live in this boldness, as you encounter perhaps the challenge of stepping into new things, know that the light of God surrounds you. The love of God enfolds you. The power of God protects you. And the presence of God watches over you. Wherever you are, God is. Go in peace.